This is Andy Crouch, and before we begin, I want to take a moment to let you know that my partner John Hall and I recently purchased All About Beer and brought it back to life. All About Beer holds a revered place in our hearts and minds, as we know it does for many other beer lovers and professionals. We are dedicated to continuing All About Beer's tradition of hosting the finest writers, reviewers, and journalists covering beer today, while also expanding the roster to include new, diverse voices to help us bring stories to you. We are asking you to help support our efforts via our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have individuals and corporate rates available and would greatly appreciate your support. We're looking forward to developing a vibrant and engaging voice for the future of beer through allaboutbeer.com and on our social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So welcome to the new All About Beer. Please help support independent beer media. We'll get to the show in a moment. But first, I've got Andrew Patterson joining me. Andrew is the UK and Scandinavia Technical Sales Advisor for Lalamond, which is a sponsor of the program. And today, we're talking about Lalamond's homebrew business. How important is the homebrewing audience to Lalamond? Massively important, yeah. I mean, one, like a a large proportion of our products we make go to homebrew. Um, So everything that we do... Um, for, for commercial on the yeast and the bacteria side, we also do for homebrewers as well. Um, but two, the, uh, the the buzz and the, the drive for a lot of the trends that you see in commercial breweries come from the homebrew scene initially. So, I mean, you know, a lot of the beer trends that you've seen over the past few years, you know, I think some of it maybe existed at commercial scale already, but a lot of it is homebrewers kind of doing something new, trying something different, and then it being picked up by commercial guys and saying, I think we can have a go at this as well. It, it's funny, actually, because homebrewers very often are... Uh, much more technically involved than maybe a commercial brewer would be. So, uh, so some of the questions that you get asked at the homebrew level is that they're much, much um, more switched on. <laughs> so there's almost like a you know, a laser-focused uh, detail on, <laughs> on the technical side of brewing. We're excited to have Lalaman Brewing as a sponsor of the Beer Edge podcast, and Andrew Patterson will be joining us again at the bottom of the program. But in the meantime, I'd invite folks to check out Lalaman's website at lalamanbrewing.com. For more information on how it can help homebrewers, that's L-A-L-L-E-M-A-N-D brewing.com. Welcome to the Beer Edge Podcast. I'm Andy Crouch. After an unexpectedly long break, we're back this week with the second part of my interview with beer writer, author, and judge Melissa Cole. Since we last heard from Melissa, I actually had the chance to have beers in person with her in Minneapolis during the Craft Brewers Conference. Along with Melissa, my Beer Edge partner John Hall, and a couple of Australian beer writers, we hit several dive bars in northeast Minneapolis before singing our hearts out at 1 a.m. karaoke. As I said in the last episode, it's never a dull day with Melissa Cole. And the second half of this interview is also unlikely to bore you. In fact, Melissa delivers a devastating indictment of BrewDog amidst all the scandals swirling around the company. These controversies, which seem to multiply week after week, involve a host of issues including allegations of an abusive and harmful corporate culture, poor treatment of workers, surveillance of employees and critics, and mistreatment of females. It can be difficult to get your arms around all of the issues facing BrewDog, as they seem to pile on more and more as time goes on. For this week, we continue our chat with Melissa, who has covered BrewDog for more than a decade. And we start at the beginning, including her first memories of meeting BrewDog's co-founder, James Watt, and how her impressions of him and the company evolved over time. A word of warning for listeners. We discuss sensitive topics in this episode, including physical abuse, harassment, and sexism. 
Listener discretion is advised. Here's the long-awaited second half of my discussion with the inimitable Melissa Cole. You have been a watcher and occasional critic of BrewDog dating back, as we said, you know, more than a decade. Um, mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, you know, BrewDog has been ensconced in controversies, sort of both real and contrived since its founding. Uh, it ranged from marketing gimmicks, uh, gone awry or way over the line, uh, over the top shenanigans to more serious allegations that have gotten a lot of play recently of employee mistreatment, workplace misconduct, and behavioral issues that go all the way to the top of that company to sort of go, and this is, I mean, this could be an episode or two on its own. And this is where I walk you to the fridge with me to go and get another <laughs> beer. Please carry on. <laughs> what, we'll start off just easy. Can you remember the first time you heard of BrewDog? Yeah, they, um, uh, I met them. They were, um, I was running a tasting business in Borough Market. Um, we had them down to do some meet the brewer events and so on and so forth. I've been, I've been sort of communicating with them a bit anyway. Um, you know, getting press releases, writing about the beers, getting samples. Sorry about that. I just kicked a bin. Um, so that's, that's, I just wanted to say that because nobody thinks that there's any wrong thing wrong with Andy's audio. That was just my general <laughs> clumsiness. I'm a very clumsy human. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I knew about them and, and, it, and it was, it did feel, I, I've always been very um, honest, it felt like, it did feel like a breath of fresh air because I was also, you know, as the only full-time female beer writer in the world, the first full-time beer writer, female beer writer in the UK and younger than most other people um, mm. doing it at the time as well. Right. Um, it, 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 was, it was nice to have, somebody shaking stuff up that mm-hmm. wasn't just me um but it quickly became obvious that the me was kind of the central theory behind the whole brew dog experience and the minute the minute i saw a bit more of so the, bit, the minute i started spending a bit more time in the us and seeing a bit more of the mo of stone mm-hmm. um who by the way were uh, better at it by far mm-hmm. um that whole shtick yeah. was very, it was very clear. And then of course it started going down much more unpleasant and, and gimmicky and, and just constantly, you know, so it was just like, right, who are we going to, who are we going to piss off next? Who are we going to fight next? Who are we going to, you know, which, which element of the establishment are we going to take on? And it was just, it, it was, it was just so, Bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why they're nicknamed Bro Dog, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it was just, oh, it was, it was like watching a mini episode of American Pie every five minutes, you know? It's like just constant frat boy shit. And I just, it was just, and it, and, but it was also just so unnecessary mm-hmm. and, and was drawing other people into into it and was getting and and, you know young guys who were getting into the beer industry were something just like yeah i'm gonna be like brew dog it's like oh god not another one (laughs) and you know we've got that problem now Mm -hmm. we've got that problem in that they've spawned all these little aggy puppies who all think that they can behave like ourselves and get away with it (sighs) what role do you think it's played in the development of craft beer in the uk 
a big one. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock them for for definitely shaking things up and making a scene and getting getting beers into supermarkets and stuff like that. But they did it at the expense of the people who actually got them to to that point. Um, I was actually because obviously it's difficult to get by on 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 freelance journalism, and I was I was doing some work in a in a in a um, wholesale distributor um at the time and i just remember every week it's like we'll definitely have some punk for you next we'll we will definitely have some but we've got we're sorry we've got you know we've got this problem we've got that problem we've got no cans we've got no this we've got no that we've got no cakes we've got no this we've got no and it wasn't it was just all being pumped into the major supermarket yeah. that they just signed the deal with and they literally just screwed everybody overnight no warning no nothing and and that's it. It's just like it, 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 it is just parasitic behavior. And, and there have been a lot of businesses which have copied exactly that. Mm-hmm. But on the upside, there's also a lot of businesses who consciously, very consciously behave in the exact opposite manner. Mm-hmm. So yin yang problem is, is that they're the biggest and they've got a lot of clout and they've got a lot of bars. You recently participated in a BBC Scotland documentary called The Truth About Brewdog. How did mm. that how did that come to be? Well, I mean, I don't think it takes a lot of Googling to find mm. my True. name next to next to something in Chris Brewdog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I mean, I've 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 worked with the BBC on God knows how many different things um over the years. Um so that's a lot of what I'd previously been written was being used as source material. So, um, and the um, producer and the, and the journalist had um, had seen me on varying different other news programs, or heard me on radio, or whatever, um, or on food programs, or whatever. So they knew I could comport myself in front of a camera. Um, so yeah, so I guess that was, and also it, my role in that was very much about um, in front of the camera was to set a scene and a history of the company mm-hmm. um we, we we actually and we filmed a lot more i mean when i say a lot more a lot more sure than was used because i because the original idea i think was that i was going to kind of pop up and narrate almost the timeline of the business but they ended up finding so much stuff right out um that obviously that got cut down and i'm totally fine I, as i said to them it's like i wouldn't give monkeys if you cut me out entirely you know if, if they if it gives somebody else the space to tell their story how was your response to the series after you watched it? Because as you said, and I think you've said some, some other places I've seen that you were the, you obviously one of the criticisms of the program from the beer community is, well, we already know all of this. We know all of this, which, you know, frankly, that's the point is not that this is a, you know, we're so insular. Oftentimes we're just talking to ourselves in circles and, and think that that matters. You know, of course we know this, but other people, you know, there's plenty of other drinkers throughout the UK and, and around the world who don't know this, but also there was so much in there. I think that, that even folks who followed the story quite closely didn't know. So how was, you know, how is you know, someone who has followed this company for so long um, and seen, you know, most of what it has done, what was your response to what you saw? The Heineken thing took me aback so hard. Mm-hmm. I have never heard anything so unlikely in my life as the defense what of i bought half a million shares in a major brewer as a show of good faith i don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> i mean 
I mean, despite, I mean, if you, I mean, I know it's, it's a very false equivalency, but if you actually take, and I would just like to point out, despite my dyscalculia, I do, I'm very smartly married a chartered accountant. <laughs> um, so I said to, said to my husband, can you do me a favour? Can you figure out, right, that amount of money as compared to that year's overall global income, um, I'm sorry, global profit per Heineken, please. And I think we figured out it was two thirds, no, it was one third of two thousandths of a percent. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you think Heineken give a flying about your half a million quid's worth mm-hmm. of shares, Sunshine? Yeah. I found the second half really harrowing listening to the women's stories. Yeah. Um, and the defense that I've heard from a lot of people of he wasn't doing anything illegal is an extremely depressing one. Right. And because if you've made that many women uncomfortable and men, mm-hmm. and you put men in a position or any of your staff in a position where they feel they either have to be worried around you or protect their colleagues from you you've got big problems pal yeah and that for me is really horrifying and the fact that he seemed to kind of use the u.s as his personal playground in some in what in because he might not get caught yeah I don't know. I don't know. Did he think he was on holiday all the time? Mm-hmm. It's not Iron Apple Power. It's your business. Um, and I found, I found that really difficult. And also because I am somewhat of a lightning rod for women telling stories too in the industry and over the whole series since Brianne um, Rat Magnet on Instagram. Yep. Uh, broke all the stories and there's other women doing doing that now i've got um erin broadfoot in canada who's posting all of the all of the canadian brewing ones and obviously we've had um siobhan and kimberly and mm-hmm. charlotte and pumps of purpose and Robert, you know and, and all of the it, it it is an incredible emotional weight to be yeah. carrying um and because i have been told not brewdog specific although some of them are involving people in that organization so i've just been told some of the most horrendous stories and a lot of it is just these women just wanting to let somebody know yeah and which is fine and i'm always there for but the avalanche has been just wow and and it's been going on so long and also a lot of it's been going on sort of you know in covid lockdown times as well mm-hmm. so it's kind of you're doubly impotent about things and it's really it's very frustrating but we really need to shape up we really need to shape up as the industry we need to start looking after people better so much better across the board not just talking about sexual harassment but obviously that's a huge issue um but we're losing, we're losing brewers left, right, and centre mm-hmm. because nobody seems to give a crap about their physical health. 
and say, you can't be a brewer if you can't pick up 42, 25 kilo malts, like blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Why isn't somebody providing some sort of help with that? Yeah. How, how much does one of those, you know, wind up dollies to get it to the right height actually really cost? And the problem is, and I can tell you, tell you why it's not being done, patriarchy, hmm. toxic masculinity, all of those things. Just stop being such a bro for a minute and take a look at what you could do. For 500 quid, you could keep brewers for a couple of years longer. Hmm. Isn't that isn't that going to pay, pay you back in spades? You don't have to recruit. You don't have to train. You don't have to drain poor batches because you've hired the wrong person who it turns out doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Just invest in your people. When the series came out, there, you know, I'm sure in the states here, it it had a big hit in terms of in terms of the beer community watching it. What has mm. been the re- what's been the response that you've heard in the UK? It's definitely gone wider. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's really gone wider. I'm inundated with messages saying, "Oh my god, I didn't. I know you didn't like them, but I didn't realize how awful they were." Um, I'm never buying Brewdog again. I've just poured my, la- my my two cans from the fridge down the drain. All that sort of stuff. I don't know, obviously, what's really going to happen in the long run. But I think you know. I I have I have questions still. Firstly, where the hell is Martin Dickey? Mm-hmm. Where are you, Martin? This happened on your watch too. So where are you? Secondly, TSG, what are you doing? You won't answer calls, you won't answer emails, you won't talk to anybody. The whole bit when all when the first allegations broke, when when lots was coming out on social media about it, when you attempted to pretend that you'd installed a woman um, to head up the company, despite the fact that actually that had been done, it, internal emails had gone out about that six weeks beforehand. You're willing to be complicit in this behaviour so you can get your money back. I know you're a PE company, but seriously, come on. Where's your duty of care for all those staff who are earning you that money back? And also, seriously, where the fuck is Martin? We have seen many big names apologize or even step down their positions and mm. in businesses. Um, uh, but those are sort of few and far between. You know, there's there's mm. handfuls of them. It's not like it's been incredibly widespread and plenty of folks remain in their businesses, you know, as for the people we're talking about. Do you think we're going to see actual meaningful progress or is this going to be a temporary blip and things will just go back to the way it's always been? Well, here's the thing. You can't. And this is what I'm going to ask every single person involved in the beer industry this right now. You cannot keep on asking the people who are persecuted to keep on doing the emotional labor. It's crucifying people. It's 
it's had me in absolute floods, curled up on and all missing deadlines because I just can't do another thing. I can't listen to another story. I can't do anything. I can't help anything. Nothing's changing. As you said, this feels like this 12 years that I've been talking about mm. this, like really super hyper vocally. Do you know how tiring that is? Yeah. I mean, when it was literally pretty much just me for the first five years, that's tough. Now I've got so many other voices with me and that is fantastic. And I'm with them. But the problem is, is I'm not seeing people stand up and say, screw you, brew dog. I'm pulling my beers. They'll be the first one to throw you under the bus. Don't forget what they did to Camden. Don't forget what they did to Beavertown. Don't forget them. Um, uh, oh, who was it that ABI bought? Uh, Wicked Weed. Mm. I mean, look what they did to Wicked Weed. They took the beer that they'd done as a collaboration, rebadged it and put it out anyway, allegedly. I mean, you know, don't, don't think that they won't throw you under the bus at the earliest convenience. Stop handing these people power. They only have the power that we give them. Stop giving them that power. You've got the power not to sell your beer to them. You've got the power not to support them. You've got the power to speak out against all of this behavior. This bro code of silence, it's got to stop. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Lalman Brewing firmly believes that homebrewers deserve the same high-quality products as do pro-brewers. To ensure the highest-quality product, Lalman packages its 11-gram homebrew sachets under vacuum just as it does for its 500-gram commercial bricks. Storing the dry yeast under vacuum ensures no contact with oxygen or moisture, which would decrease viability over time. Go to lalmanbrewing.com for more information on how Lalman can help homebrewers. Thank you for supporting the Beer Edge podcast. We'd also ask you to take a minute to consider donating to our sister publication, All About Beer, at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Now, back to our interview with Melissa Cole. You have personally been subjected to more than your fair share of vitriol and sexism and attacks over the years, you know, for calling out, for first of all, just being a woman in this industry, let alone for (laughs) calling out misogyny and bad practices how are you able to maintain your mental health when this happens? I think being a journalist really helps. Mm -hmm. Knowing that a lot of things are tomorrow's chip paper is sorry. That's, that's, that's a, that's a particular Britishism. Um, (laughs) So uh, uh, just to give you, give you an idea of that. So, um, what a lot of old-fashioned fish and chip shops used to do is wrap, wrap it in a clean piece of paper first, but save money. Would use would use old newspapers, use print. so to so that so that it would it would keep the because it's quite a good insulator. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so yeah, so tomorrow's tomorrow's fry paper, I guess, is the easiest way. But um, and so that that kind of you know this two shall pass is is a is a fairly easy one to do. That I I feel like my moral compass is relatively good and I feel like that this is a good fight and I've been fighting a good mm-hmm. fight and therefore that's good I've got a, 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 the most supportive husband um 
who's brilliant and who absolutely supports me doing what I'm doing. Despite you can see his inner accountant just going, Jesus Christ, woman, can you do something to earn some money? And I have a, a great support network of friends as well. I have friends outside of the industry. That's really important. I play mm-hmm. cricket. Don't bother trying to explain. I'm not going to bother trying to explain it to Americans. Um, and that's really, that's really good. That's really healthy. Um, I go to the gym. I, I've just started punching things again. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, just, I've just got a PT again. I'm starting boxing training again. So that's, that's healthy. Um, and actually, do you know, some, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at, you don't, you know, these people, a lot of the stuff, I mean, us are keyboard warriors, don't care. Mm. Um, you know, James Watt spent a lot of time trying to make me go away. You know, that didn't work. Um, I've had, I've had blokes physically assault me at, at beer festivals because I'm that woman, bloody woman who bangs on about tits on pump clips, shove spat out kicked confronted in my fish fingers that was a weird one really yeah a guy stood in the door of my fish fingers and shouted at me when i say my fish my local fish monger who, yeah. I, who I, I use quite regularly that was that was weird <laughs> I was, I was, so you know that moment it's so this is weird but it was also the, the whole thing of you know barring the door so i couldn't get out so he could harangue me and say, oh, dude, that's just a shit move. That's just a terrible move. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't scare easy. I don't back down easy. Um, but it does, it does take a toll. There's no two ways about it. It's, it, it. I have to work very hard to not for it not to make me cynical. Mm-hmm. For me, not to feel like. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, and I probably, you, may, you may have to bleep some of this. Here's from an incident a while back. Somebody, um, somebody sent me um, a picture. Where has it gone? Uh, so somebody, somebody sent me um, a WhatsApp conversation from their time working for a brewery because they just felt really bad about it and they were outside of the beer industry now so I'd criticized their brewery for their artwork um, and I'd written um, a, an article in a, in a magazine called Ferment and the two owners of the brewery I'm just going to give you some headlines of what they what they said in this whatsapp conversation such a cunt we need to hit this on the head some somehow we could offer to help her bang her anti-beer bigotry drum see what genius ideas she's got instead of just criticizing someone else how how do we engage the fuck bitch though without her clocking that we are just using her to rectify her bad pr fuck her i might say we make a label with her on it coal miner black ipa i'm sure we can come up with some sort of vulgar troll you know what though they didn't dare say that to my face and also I saw them coming a mile off when they tried it it was very embarrassing 
this is the stuff that needs to be called out, yeah. not five years down the line when somebody has left the business who was too scared to say anything. That needs to be called out then yep. and there. But knowing that there's people out there who've got my back like that, that left the business as a result of that WhatsApp conversation, sadly left the industry because they were yeah. so disillusioned by it all. If you're not calling out stuff like that, milder stuff than that, I mean, that's a very extreme example, mm -hmm. obviously. Milder stuff than that. Everyday sexism, everyday racism, everyday hope. Horrible phrase, because it shouldn't be there every day. Yeah. But you, keep, you let those little tiny cancerous little cells take hold and the next thing you know it's just a big tumor in the business with all of this you know there's just an incredible weight that you've had to bear and it's not even i want to thank you for it it just you know i definitely want to thank you for talking about it just it's something that no one should have to bear but you have you know an incredible strength and fortitude and attitude um but I'm what? just very angry. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I sort of, I, I can sympathize with that. that but you, you're also an incredibly positive person and someone who, who loves this industry very dearly. Who do you admire? Who do you think, you know, who is the next generation or who do you look to as, 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 as folks who are, are just keeping, you know, keeping, just the future looking looking brighter, promising because it can can be very it could be overwhelming the you know the details that yeah. you provided just who are you looking to it in terms of sort of admiration and what they're doing? I mean, there are some just such brilliant businesses, people with such like fortitude and and, and grafting, and then you know, not saying taking no for examples like Stacy at Rock Leopard really like blows me away that with his resilience he's been knocked back so many times and he's still he's still absolutely making this happen and it looks like he's on the verge of doing something really cool um yeah lily way with with mm -hmm. queer brewing you know she she just is so absolutely unapologetically who she is and mm -hmm. that is just you know and that is what's needed um in terms of you know it's it's that kind of thing I was, I was never going to apologize for being a woman and writing about mm -hmm. beer. Lily's not apologizing for who she is either. And that's, yeah. that's, I think that, you know, this is, this is absolutely the, the progress that, that really needs to be seen. And then you've got, you've also got, interestingly enough, I think having uh, with apologies to Les and Julie, who are you know, really great friends of mine and also Alex and Annie, Lost it's actually having some adults in the room mm -hmm. as well is, is proving really incredibly valuable, I think. So people like Les and Julie at Neptune Brewing who have, you know, had other careers, who have got, you know, grown-up kids who have decided to do this now when they want to. Brew stunning beers, are creating a lovely local hub in the tap room, are beloved by the rest of the industry. And you've got Alex and Annie down at Lost and Ground. You know, Alex has been um, head brewer at Little Creatures. He was head brewer at Camden. 
you know, he's he's been around the block and he is just absolutely amazing, like switched on activist, like phenomenal marketeer, brander. But they're older and they're smarter and they don't need that massive circle jerk. You know, they don't need that ego stroking. And I think that's one of the most um, problematic things about the industry. And I think it's really why... Um, a lot of breweries would do really well at startup point to make sure that there is an adult in the room, frankly, because the problem is, is that, right. You're going to hire people like you. You you just, it's the problem is is that that's just human nature, right? So you're going to hire people who you're probably going to hire people who look like you, who Mm -hmm. think like you, who talk like you, who walk like you. Problem is, is that also means that you, that you probably going to think that they're never going to be wrong even though they make you a little bit uncomfortable. Right. And then it's like, well, you know, but he's such a great guy. It doesn't really matter if he just says the N-word every so often, right? Or that he, he objectifies the, 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 you know, the taproom supervisor or, or you know, taproom server. You know, I mean, she's cute. Look, you know, look at, that, look, at those, look at those tiny little shorts on that ass. And before you know it, that's, that's, yeah. that's where you are. Yeah. Like, have an adult in the room have diversity in the room because if it's all a bunch of bros then bro behavior is what you're going to get melissa i want to thank you so much for joining us today we were supposed to go for just about 40 minutes and we more i think more than doubled that i should have probably known Ooh, that no. was going to happen <laughs> <laughs> no wonder my husband just tried to come in the living room I was yeah, like, no way. yeah. <laughs> But these great conversations, I had the same sort of thing happen with Matt Curtis when I talked to him a month or so oh, ago. Just, these, just people I miss, people who I look forward to spending time with sometime soon. I look forward to finding myself in some hole in the wall Mexican restaurant in Philly or somewhere else, uh, just you know, with multiple cases of beer. And I can't wait to do that again with you sometime soon. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'd, look, I'd love that. This has been Andy Crouch, and thanks for listening to the Beer Edge Podcast. My partner John Hall and I work hard to produce interesting podcasts and other content for our audience. But producing quality content isn't free, so we would appreciate your financial support. Our Patreon is at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer, or we have some cool merch for sale at beeredge.com. Send us a few bucks, buy a shirt or a mug, and help support independent beer journalism. And if you're itching for more beer content, check out John's podcast, Drink Beer, Think Beer, with new episodes every Wednesday. We're on the socials at The Beer Edge. And if you want to be on the show, or if you want to sponsor the show, or if you know the perfect guest, please drop me a line. My email is andy at beeredge.com. And my DMs are open everywhere at Beerscribe. We're back with Lalaman's Andrew Patterson, and we're talking about Lalaman's special relationship with homebrewers. When the company developed its Wild Brew Philly Sour and Wild Brew Verdant IPA products, it tested the yeast with both commercial and homebrewing audiences. So I asked Andrew about the value of getting feedback from homebrewers. It's really great from our perspective because one, we get like kind of feedback from the commercial breweries, how their yeast is likely to perform in a commercial environment. Um, but then also you have the homebrew side of things and they also um, kind of want to have it perform at their level, right? So you kind of need the relevance of it working in both different environments, but also they are very focused on details. So you actually get some really good feedback from them. 
I mean, home brewing, you can, you can make it as complicated as you want it to be. Um, and many people make it very complicated, but they also have great kits. They have really good tanks. They have data logging so they can track fermentations. You know, they, they can do things that quite a lot of kind of small commercial breweries can't do. So you get really kind of good feedback from them. At the same time, it, it's, it's a good way of like building kind of buzz a new product so you've got you know some home brewers that you kind of you, you speak to about this new product and you give them a trial of it uh, and then they generate a bit of like talk on like, forums and stuff and talk about this product and that, that's another advantage so um, we've got products launching this year and I'm fully intending to give sample quantities to some homebrew clubs just to get their feedback and kind of generate a bit of noise. Lalaman recently released a retailer map which showcases each business that carries its homebrew and home wine products so you can now quickly find your local store easily on the map, ultimately helping you discover your favorite yeast, bacteria, and nutrient. Lalaman has also appointed a dedicated support person, Marie Copay, to help answer any questions homebrewers may have about Lalaman's offerings. Whether you're a new homebrewer or an expert with decades of experience, Lalaman has something for you. Contact Lalaman today for more information.